0: Anthony Green is one of the most idolized singers within the scene today. He's just one of those guys that everyone says nice things about. And when you meet him, he just smiles all the time. And if there was ever a picture of anybody that could be next to the word chill in the dictionary, it would probably be of Anthony Green. On the cover of AP this month, we have two amazing lead singers. One of them is Anthony, and the other one is Craig Owens of Chiotos. Both of them are incredibly creative, but they're also both incredibly complex. There are enough stories about both of them out there that you could probably fill a book with. And I've got a theory about stories. About half of them are pretty much true. Another fourth of them are about half true and half embellished, usually by somebody that's mad at them. And the other fourth of them are just completely false. And usually those are the ones that you see on the internet all the time. Between the two lead singers, Craig is the more reserved, but once he gets to know you, he opens up. Anthony, on the other hand, is a wide open book, and he'll just talk about anything with you. He was born on April 15, 1982, so that makes him an Aries if you're into that sort of thing, into a strict Roman Catholic household with three older brothers. And as Tim Cran writes in this cover story, he had an innate ability to stand up in front of any crowd without fear. He fell in love with the guitar, and he started singing in high school bands, and one of them called Audience of One, there's a CD floating out there, that if you really want to get an idea of what Anthony Green started to sound like and see all that characteristic vocals come out of him, that's the one to get. He went off to a community college where he got messed up in heroin and cocaine at that time, and he fell into some serious drug abuse problems before his parents and his uh, psychotherapist brother sat him down and told him it was time for rehab. He spent uh, nearly a year in rehab as an outpatient at a local clinic about 15 minutes down the road from his house, and as soon as he got out of that, he went off to California to join Sayosin as their lead singer. He appeared on the highly acclaimed EP Translating the Name. Um, but he left the band after nearly a year when the band was just about ready to start their big major label deal with Capitol Records. In the April 2007 issue of AP with Circa Survive on the cover, there was a detailed story about a phone call that Anthony did from an airport in Phoenix back to the band where he backed out. After returning from California, Anthony started the now infamous band Circa Survive. They've had two records and an EP to date, the uh, initial Inuit Sessions EP, Juturna and On Letting Go. They're already at work on their third record, which should be out in 2009. He's done a number of other projects, one of them being the first Zoloft, the Rock and Roll Destroyer album. And he's also been one of the key members of the concept album series, Sounds of Animals Fighting. He appears as the Skunk. And on the second of those records, Lover the Lord Has Left Us, Craig Owens appears as well as the Ram. Watching Anthony Green live is a total must-see experience, especially with this solo record he's got out now called Avalon. You can YouTube him and see him in a variety of solo performances, either on stage or out in the middle of the sidewalk in front of a club, and you just get a slight glimpse of what it's like seeing him live. It's like he never misses a note, you know? he he Whenever he hits the high notes, his eyes roll back into the back of his head, and he has this very characteristic swaying back and forth when he performs that kind of reminds you of a third grader waiting in that lunch line that's taking too long to move forward. Our conversation began when I placed the two covers that Anthony has appeared on in the table in front of us. This is Mike Shea. Wow, that's an old cover. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel that old, you it, know. And yeah, in a way, but it, you know, it's just what is it 2007? Yeah. So two years ago, but still, it just looks.
1: Look at you. <laughs> it's So weird. Look at actually that way. That's so strange. Between the two covers. It's just strange to have two covers. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like it's not even about uh, me being on there. It's just that, like, dude, we. It's, it doesn't even seem like that long a period of time, you know, and that's cut.
0: But look at everything you've done since this was shot what, February, January two thousand seven we shot these photos.
1: So look at everything that's happened to you since, since then. then. You that's know That's crazy. Within a, a year and a half. That's I a do my time. best to not think about that stuff, you know, but the then the past or you just No, not the past. Just like, you know, what w- all the stuff that we've done. You know what I mean? Like all the stuff that that we've done since we started wanting to be a band, because when you when you think about it, it's mind blowing. You know, like me and Colin sitting around just going, "Yo, we just want to tour and have fun and do stuff," and now it's like this amazing thing when we have these, you know, you know, records and these magazines or whatever we can actually hold and touch, you know, and feel and be like, "This, we did this." <laughs> you know, it's you know? one of
0: the things I noticed in the uh, the cover story that Tim did with you, Tim Curran, our, our associate editor, and uh, he's the man he is a man and he uh and 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 in reading other stuff that that you've done um whether it was like a Cosmo girl interview or <laughs> <laughs> i had to laugh when i saw that last night um but um uh, Did you, i never even had a chance to see it it's really, oh, i think i have it <laughs> yes i think i have it see i'm was I'm, it in I'm, the magazine or was it on publicist. like the website I'm, I'm better than glenn um <laughs> I love Glenn. Uh, let me see. It was. It was. I saw it on the website. Um, uh, but one of the things I noticed as I'm looking for your Cosmo Girl piece here, uh, I may not have printed it up uh, because it was. It was kind of short and
1: sweet. And uh, and who you are. And and uh, it wasn't so. Uh, he's so cute. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. No. I when I got asked to do the thing for Cosmo Girl, I was like, okay. Uh, I don't think I want to do this. And then, I was talking to my. I was talking to Meredith about it, and she was just like this could be your chance to, like, actually say stuff that you want, you know, my little sister, her little sister, who's, like, 12, you know? Like, I'm I'm always, you know, getting fired up about how, you know, hard she must have it and how when she comes home complaining about girls making fun of her or being too fat or being too skinny or doing, she was like, this is a chance for you to actually say something to these people. So I figured, why not do it? And, uh... Yeah, it definitely wasn't a pretty, It definitely wasn't a pretty piece. <laughs> I didn't tell them what the, I didn't say what they wanted to hear. I don't think. no, it, it
0: worked out fine. It didn't come off. Uh, you know, I th- I think it's very hard for anybody to kind of take start to go over that bridge into the what I call the the GC land, where you start going over to the good Charlotte world and, and the the Out Boy and the Pete Wentz world, where you're you start to really start ending up in a lot of those mainstream outlets. Yeah, and it's just a matter of time if your label and your management wants you to go, and if you want to go that route, yeah. it's just... Sometimes an artist loses control of their career, and they don't know where the hell... They all of a sudden end up one day, and they're like... And well, they're like, what the fuck? How am I, I on TMZ? Exactly, exactly. But anyway, my main point before was, I noticed one of the things in the, in the stories was that, was that you don't... And maybe I'm completely wrong with that, but you don't seem to really have concrete objectives for yourself every year. I know more musicians are more like, I want to do this, and by June, I'm going to do that, and by September, I'm going to do this, and one year, I'm going to do that, and... Right. You kind of, like, you have, like, a lot of projects that are kind of, like, they just happen. And they're going, you do plan, but it doesn't seem to be so structured.
1: Am I off on that? No, you're, I mean, I I think I come from a time where, like, I see young bands now getting started, and it's like, okay, we want to be booked by Agency Group or Ellis, and we want to be on this tour and that tour. when, When I started touring, like, it was, like, when I started playing music when I was in high school, it wasn't, like we want to be, you know, there wasn't like TRL, there wasn't Fuse, you know, there wasn't Steven's Untitled Rock Show. It was like you right. just wanted to get to Pittsburgh and play for somebody who hasn't seen you before and not you know? get paid. Right? And yeah, and get paid, you know, 50 bucks which actually got you home and gas at the <laughs> right. time. So like and and I, I find that the more I plan for things, the more disappointed I am because things will constantly change, you know, like everything you have everything changes and morphs around you know, life on its own terms, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And if you want to plan for things, you know, you have to be willing to leave space for it to change or else you're going to be disappointed all the time. Nothing's ever going to be the way, you know, you planned it to be. But, you know... As long as, you go, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, as long as you're doing it and you're like, okay, I want to do this because it's fun and I love it and you're not doing it for greedy purposes. You're not doing it because you want to be popular or because you want you know, to fix something or fill some you know, void in your life. As long as you're doing it for the right reasons, things will just come together, I think.
0: You have been, I've always kind of thought of you as somebody that allows the world inside himself. Not a lot of people do that. A lot of people
1: put up guards and especially I, artists. I spent a long time with guards up. Like in my childhood, and my I see people in my family that operate like that—very guarded, very sheltered—and uh, the only I feel like the only way you can really, truly find any peace in the world right now is being able to let people in and and allow yourself to get, you know, hurt by people or to get, you know, helped by people, you know, whatever whichever way it goes, you know, and learn from it. Um, you yeah, know, that's all. That's, that's like all you can really do. You know. How is it? I remember when you did the acoustic session with Scott,
0: and and you you said the word artist, and you went, "Oh, I hate that word." Because <laughs> it, it sounded pretentious. I believe is what you said. And I mean, do you really have an art problem with that word, artist? I
1: I am am working on it still. Like I don't I don't have. <laughs> it's a, so, it's a de- road
0: I, develop, development.
1: Huh? Yeah, it's 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 something that I don't have a problem with. You know, philosophically, yeah. I think everyone's an artist. You know. But for me, it's hard for me to say, you know, I'm an artist because uh, I don't feel like you should have to say it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's something that, you know, you should just, everybody should live their art. Their relationships should be art. Mm-hmm. You know, you the way that you, you s- choose to make decisions should be art. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, a painting or a sculpture or something. It's like, you should... Um, you should be whatever you want everybody to see you as, you know, rather than like try to project something you want people to see you as, you know, like if you want to be a want people to see you as a good person, you got to figure out what that means to you to be a good person, and then, you know, be it rather than like try to you know make people think you're a good person, like hey, I did a candy stripe in the hospital, or hey, you know, <laughs> I gave all this money to, you know, you don't you got to people have to realize that the more they go around saying things, that the less you know, pe- the my dad used to say that the the people who talk the most do the least. Of
0: course, yeah, It's an old badge <laughs> of business. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking that that let's just say we'll, we'll get rid of the word artist, and I think <laughs> and we'll just say no. I mean, because I know what you're saying. You're saying artist with a capital A and yeah. and as a noun, um, real noun, like hard noun. Um, so we'll just say being creative. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it, you there's obviously there's a way that in order to be creative you have to let that world in and so and obviously you've been through a lot i think it's you've just been through as a person you've you've gone through your struggles you've gone through your dark times you've gone through your high times you've gone through you know sunlight times and how have you learned to filter because there is that point where the bad you got it sometimes you got to let the bad in yeah. to be able to create but how do you keep it
1: from Sticking to you, I guess, is the way dragging you down. I think that when the times come where it's like you feel uh, where it's really dark and when it's you know it's when you're really depressed, um, that's I like after spending so much time in that in that place as a young person, not knowing how to get myself out of it. Right. I think that you I, I learned that you have to really embrace it. You know, uh, just like anything. But then after, you know, it's served its purpose and you've learned from it what you can, Mm -hmm. you know, like, instead of harping on, like, I suck, I did a bad job, or uh, I don't like who I am, or I don't like this, you then have to shift modes, so to speak, to, like, okay, how can I make this better? And I think that most people don't do that, or they forget to shift that mood because they don't realize that they can. They think, you know, like oh, it's the powers to be are fucking them. You know what I mean? Or it's like oh, my parents are fucking me, or you know, my girlfriend left me, so she fucked me. Well, you know, or it's fate. It's fate. One you know, it's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be lonely forever. No, you are the master of your own destiny. You know, if somebody breaks your heart or something you can put the pieces back together. It can be just the same as it was before, you know, but stronger and smarter, you know. And I think people it's easier sometimes to just give up your power to and give up your, you know, the your strength, you know, rather than to actually it's you know, it's they say when people exercise like no pain no gain, you know, like in life it's like no pain no gain, you know. You got to learn from it. You got to make it good, you know, like you, it's just like when you see people that go through like horrible, you know, the like loss or, or some or something, you know, tr- tragic, you know, that are able to spin it almost in a way that it's, it's, um, it suits them, and they can then, you know, grow from it, and then, you know, the, and they do something positive with it. That's, you know, that's sort of like the the game, I think, or the the point of of life is to, you know, to survive the elements
0: yeah it's it's so true there's a there's a line in uh on the on your solo record uh, with drug dealer and I had a pop it down I, said, I used to mind that everyone I know seems to hate themselves, but I do it as well yeah and I've noticed that with a lot uh young musicians how much um insecurity and uh and really a lot of self hatred they got yeah. and it's and it's it's you you they sometimes say I'm a perfectionist, but when you really kind of listen to them and you talk about it, there's there's a lot of torture self torture going yeah. on and uh, it's like, a how do how does, you must have seen friends of yours kind of st- probably still doing that. And like, how do you get through to somebody like that, who, I don't know, I don't know if it's a cycle or if it's a, uh, uh, you know, some people, yeah, I think there was a comment that you made to, to, to him where you said some people actually just do it for dramatic purposes to kind of martyrdom.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, there's a lot less, I mean, you know there are so, there are people in the world that you know are self-defeating people who are like you know uh i have a, somebody close to my family who's just everything bad happens to them you know mm-hmm. like no matter what and they because of the fact that they like put that out there all the time then everything that bad that happens to them is like fuck it's just another thing that happened to me it's so bad and it's like maybe you ought to stop saying that shit happens to you bad all the time and start thinking maybe the opposite way. Maybe you're doing this to yourself a little bit. But I honestly truly think that there's nobody alive that hasn't gone through a moment where they hadn't hated who they were. I definitely have, and I go through it, and I will go through it, you know. And um, that's the only way that you can change. You know, and it's sometimes just based around something you did or said or, you know, I look back at the way that I was when I was in high school and the person I was, you know, um, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, you know, I can't say that I liked the person that I was, you know what I mean? So, but I like who I am now, you know, who's to know if in seven or eight years from now I could look back and be like, wow, it's a big shithead back then, you know, like hopefully... I'm um, constantly going to be in a state of, you know, um, becoming, you know. You would kind of say, I, th- I think you, I don't, know, I can't remember if I got to take a look at my notes here, if it was in a lyric,
0: or if it was a, um, uh, it was just a statement that you had made, but basically that that you um, were trying to, uh, it, when you were when you were younger and back in high school, um, always struggle with being what people wanted you to be. Yeah. And I, I see that a lot with musicians. Hmm. You know, they kind of start getting the, – their career starts picking up, and then the, the attention starts coming in, and then the kids start putting their perception – their fans yeah. start putting their perceptions on, oh, you know, Bob is supposed to be this kind of lead singer, yeah. and Ralph is it's that, that kind of bass league, player, yeah. right or whatever right the deal is. And, and they are – kooky and they're arrogant or they're funny or they're supposed to be uh, whatever yeah. whores or something and, and so it's just like <laughs> where have you found like within yourself especially when you the, went you you know you're going from you th- know the trick is sales in is the circuit uh, you know
1: in when I was a kid and I wanted and I, I you know you want you want people to you want to be you know what people expect you to be and you want to because that's that's what you think is gonna work and make people happy you know you think that's what people want you want to give people what they want and i think if you get into this business as a young person or you know as an older person or if you get into art no matter what and if you do it because you want people to do anything whether it's like you or hate you or whatever it's going to be tricky and it's you're going to have uh, it's going to be hard you know you have to i think that like before going on a vacation, somebody told me like just don't have any expectations about it, you know. Just don't think about it. Just go and enjoy what you can enjoy from it, and learn what you can. Let you it know? be. Yeah, and uh, I think anybody who any musician, you know, uh, in this in in this you know time right now, who wants people to to like what they're doing, and want and is looking for you know to be what people want them to be, is is gonna find a, a lot of hardships
0: you know one of the things I, I've uh, I haven't really read a lot about you and even doing internet research and stuff like that and looking back on old AP stories I didn't I didn't really see a lot about it but uh, what high school did you go to? Um, I went
1: to uh, a private all boys high school Yeah, so it was LaSalle. a private okay because yeah. your parents
0: were uh, I mean I, you, you had said that your parents were strict Catholic Kind Man. of family, but I didn't know if that meant that they took you out of the public schools. All my
1: brothers went to uh, Archbishop uh, Wood, which was a high school right near my house. It was a Catholic school, mm. but um, I had got I had got put in a, in, a all, in an all boys high school because I had like learning disabilities. Mm. Apparently, I had like you know, ADD and ADHD or whatever, and um, so they were already tagging all that stuff by then. Yeah, that. absolutely. Huh. And my gra- and my my dad's mom, um, you know. Uh, really thought it would be a good idea she's Mm -hmm. not with us anymore but um sorry that's okay and uh she just thought it would be you know a good idea and uh, she helped my parents out a lot I think with uh, help with my education you know (laughs) (laughs) with the support
0: yeah
2: um
1: so um
0: what what about uh so what kind of what kind of how what were you like in high school like what table did you sit at if you could classify
1: and this sounds really strange but I sort of knew everybody like I had friends that ran track and played soccer most popular or something no no No? not at all like um I sort of I was I guess for a while I was kind of known as like a stoner kid okay you know like I, I was friends with everybody if somebody needed weed you know they would come to me Okay. And, I, and uh, you know, I would be able to get them, like, a little bit of weed or something, but I wasn't, like, a big dealer or anything, and I wasn't very popular, but I knew everyone, you know? Like, I knew people that were, you know, considered nerdy, and it, honestly, in my high school, there was, people were, there wasn't, like, a, it was clicky, but people were generally really nice to each other. It wasn't, like, a lot of like so you didn't get picked on? No, yeah, not really. Um, I got picked on a lot when I was young because I was a big kid, um... I That's was, right. You were kind of overweight, was Yeah. I had a I had asthma and stuff when I was a young when I was when I was, you know, really little before I'd even started school and I was on like prednisone and stuff like that and that beefs you up, beefs up your appetite. Sure, and, yeah. You know, I was just a big kid for a long time. My my older brother Chris was the same way. He was a he was, a, you know, a big kid and then all of a sudden like freshman year of high school, like in between freshman and sophomore year, you just shoot up like a couple feet and your metabolism kicks in all of a sudden for, you know, and you're and you're I'm like you know was the same size as everybody else, and then all of a sudden people are talking to you differently, and people are you know nice able to you're able to have a little bit of confidence. And I I I don't even remember what I was like in high school. I think I was like a, I think I was just like you know stoned a lot. You know I I was loved getting high. I loved skipping class. I loved music. Like I loved trying to get around everything. Um, I would, I mean I would. I, I graduated, which is unbelievable. Um,
2: <laughs> wow. But I got a pretty okay. much
1: D, C average the entire time in high school. I never got an A. I never got above a B, which I got a B in in gym class, which I think everybody got. I'm just
0: gonna ask you if there were any courses you actually were paid any attention in. Um, like if there was that one that was like, yeah, that, I I actually did well in
1: that. Yeah, you know what? Thing. I had this teacher. English. I, yeah, I had this teacher. An English teacher. Two of them. That both captivated me, um, and the, you know what actually, this this teacher named Mr. Blow, who was his name was Mr. Blow. <laughs> you know, I'm not making this a Lampoon up. movie there. I I don't, know, I don't know. I know, he, and he was a big guy, like he needed a cane and stuff. Like, oh, he was okay. A big guy. One of those guys. All Extremely right. intelligent, yeah. and broke shit down for you in a way where it was just like you really got it, you know, like it was it was cool. Uh, and I had a guy who taught um, religion named Mr. Leahy, who was uh it was awesome and he read stuff. he read we read like Sid Arthur and this was like you know mm. sophomore year of high school and he's teaching us about Buddhism and, and, and you know like Muslim culture and all this cool stuff and it wasn't you know it wasn't like the regular nine years of uh, you know religion I had been taught it was like wow there's other sorts of spirituality out there that you know aren't you know so ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you remember at all if there was in high school if there
0: were, or in junior high that uh, um that there was particular writers or authors like you know with Craig mm-hmm. Owens you know, Shakespeare caught him right off the bat and Walt Whitman and things and so It's funny
1: he and I both share the same affinity for Charles Bukowski.
0: Oh, Bukowski. One okay. of the
1: first one of the first books. But did of you get into Bukowski
0: in high school? Yeah, my brother okay. it
1: was one of the first books my brother gave me when I turned 16 it was The Last Night of the Earth poems. Mm. And uh he was just great. I could understand him. I, I you know, I could relate to it, even though I wasn't an older guy and didn't right. have any slut girlfriends and wasn't a drunk, like it almost glorified it for me. I was sure. like, This is so cool. You know, I'm stuck in my parents' house and I'm reading about this guy who lives in California and, you know, throwing bottles at chicks and <laughs> you know, staring up at the moon and it was a freedom. He he writes about freedom. I I got um uh, I really loved Hunter Thompson. Oh yeah. You know, but, okay. uh I got um the rum diaries you know when i was like 18 um but as you know t s Eliot, stuff like that you know, just poetry i as f- books i was never like you know i was dyslexic i'm dyslexic as shit really yeah and I didn't like know that about you. for the longest time i couldn't sit down and read cuz it was just frustrating and i would get I would just get frustrated by the words and uh, by not being able to pronounce or understand them or by being confused. And, you know, uh, I was like the kid that, like, during English class and math class got, like, taken out and t- spent to, like, the trailer with three other kids. that oh, got, really? like, special time. <laughs> but I honestly just—my head was never in the game. Like, I was always daydreaming. Like, I was always thinking about other shit. There was always someplace else I'd rather be. Like, I was always, you know— Building like little, you know, uh, dolls out of like you know, like those like little racer things that they have. Like I was just distracted constantly, like, and because I didn't want to be there. You know, I'm not going to say it's because I had something. You know, I just, uh, I, I didn't want to be there. I think the when I was in high school, music meant so much to me. It was ridiculous. Like, I was, just like everybody that listens to Circa. And that it comes up to us, like I was exactly like them, like I was just, just
0: interesting your fans have turned into you,
1: yeah, uh they we are each other, I mean, I'm still a fan,'m i still a huge fan
0: well yeah, oh definitely, yeah.
1: and it, it's uh it's something that uh I definitely want to uh,
0: bring up in a little bit um do you you know being dyslexic you uh, you had mentioned at one point and i it was in uh it was in uh you had mentioned that you cannot read chords, yeah, or
1: uh pretty much. Can't read music. No, I can't.
0: Is it because of the dyslexia, or is it because I just you just don't also, understand it? I'm just
1: also like really bad with numbers. Like okay, I, okay, having to do with I'm I'm not very. I'm not a great student. Like if I, I would be, I'd be a horrible student. Like they would if I had to take a test right now, I would probably come up like I was retarded. Like I just am not. Like I my like I. I I, when I f- want to focus on something, like right. I will, like I'm, I could figure out time time signatures for a song, you know what I mean? But like, if I was to sit down and be given a math equation, like I'd just be staring at it and like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like so it comes from feeling it. You, yeah, you, you feel it and you let it. I'm a much way. more visual learner. Like when it comes okay. to learning stuff, like uh at least that's what I've been told.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, so so is that caused? I mean, we were talking before we kicked in here, but uh about producers and is that caused? Because you feel it more than you are more of the tr- like what would be considered a professional musician you know yeah. that can, you know the studio guy that can yeah. sit down and give him the you know give him the give him the notes and he will nail out whatever you need him to nail out and and you're more of a feeler. so has it caused issues or con- communication issues or maybe trying to get that point across issues? absolutely
1: really absolutely like I I'll get gut feelings about something. Or there'll be something that I want to hear, and then I get fumbled over being able to, to communicate, you know, with either the guys in Circa or whomever I'm working with, you know, like, what, I, what I'm what hearing or what I need from it. And like we were talking about before, like, if I uh, can't communicate it, then I can't get it across. Like if I don't have patience, if I don't have, you know, if I don't fight for it, you not know, even fight for it, but if I don't really give it, like, you know... Uh, an honest-to-goodness, like, try like, and, and be patient and whatever, then I can't expect to get what I want to hear, you know what I mean? Or, or what I want. Right. Um, and that's something that I, I've learned a lot, you know. that You really have to take the time to figure out how you can communicate what you want with everybody or else you can't ever expect them, you know, to do it. Communication always screws everything up. Yeah, it does. Lack thereof.
0: Um, uh, a lot of the songs, at least a lot, but a chunk of the songs on Avalon, um, has been off, often said that uh, were the formations, some of the lyrics, some of the, um, uh, the structures were started when you were junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. So this would be about the same time that you were getting into Bukowski and you were getting into um, C.S. Lewis yeah. and stuff like that. So oh god,
1: C.S. Lewis is great.
0: Um, so where did are there any of the songs on here that are kind of reflective of that period and in in that time frame, like? You read. You can remember that far back where you went. Like, okay, I I just went through a half a semester, and we went through these authors, and there's something in Avalon that's kind of
1: representative of that. Um, or am I thinking too deep? <laughs> I think that you know, the, you know, I don't, I don't think you're thinking too deep. I just can't remember a lot of stuff. I, I and it sounds really bad, but I, I'm, I, my memory is really the last four or five years has hmm. really been like. Uh, an obstacle for me. Really? I remember things differently than they actually happened or uh, I I won't remember something at all and, you know, um, being busy you know, uh, so busy, um, I think plays a part in it but um, I just, uh, I have a difficult time remembering, like sometimes I'll think back on something that happened in high school or something that happened when I was a child and I can't tell whether that it actually happened, hmm. or whether it is formulated from something that I remember somebody else saying or doing. Right. Like it's almost like it's totally disappeared. It's fucking gone. You know, it is fucking gone. But I can, you know, I can remember what uh, I wore to my first holy communion you know? That's good. I can just remember, I can remember the suit that I had to wear. Everybody had, a, like, a, a dark suit on, and I had, like, a light gray suit. I was the only one. Didn't have, like, khakis and a blue blazer, and I felt silly. And uh, But, like, you know, I have this memory of being seven or eight years old and sitting up in my bed, and the sun still being out and having, and being put to bed, you know, like, you gotta go to bed now, and I could still hear kids playing outside. And, uh, I don't know if that's real or not, because I've asked so many people, and there a, a lot of people have this same memory. And I'm wondering whether or not this actually happened to me, or whether it's something I saw happen in a TV show, and then I put myself in this situation, or I created the memory. Like, um, You know what I'm talking about? Does this totally make any sense? No, no, no. You know, like a, I, I, I think that's why that movie Eternal Sunshine... The Spotless Mind bugged me out so much when I saw this it because it's played so much on the idea of memory and, and passion in memory and, uh, you know, what you remember being true and what actually fucking happened, you know? Like, that scene in The Simpsons where Homer's, like, remembering the night before where he was so wasted and thinking that he was, like, you know, the life of the party and everybody loved him, but then it slowly changes and you, he realizes that he was, like, half naked and hitting <laughs> on his neighbor's <laughs> wife and, you know, being a drunken maniac, and it's like you know, you really, we people create so much in their mind that isn't true, isn't real. And it's not only a memory, it's about themselves and it's about Mm -hmm. people around them. You know, you'll get this, you will just start building this this story about a person being an asshole, when in reality, you have never really given them a chance. Thus the internet. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Well, no, that makes it even easier for people now, you know? And then the word can get out in two seconds all over the country that somebody's an asshole.
0: (laughs) That's so true. Um, Before we start getting into the internet, um, we take two song breaks, and uh, why don't we go back to that high school period, and uh, um, and I imagine that the music you remember. Yeah. Okay, so... um, why don't you pick two bands, two songs, anything? Okay. Okay. That um were the ones that just put you in such a uh took you up to that euphoric level that ultimately drove you that bands and musicians and singing and just Okay. Like maybe the parents were gone and you yeah. were singing as loud as you possibly could all over the house.
1: Um, the first song off the Promise Ring's album, "Nothing Feels Good," um, they say Philadelphia in the in one part of the song. I just remember singing that song so much and I absolutely loved it. And uh, maybe, um, Fugazi, Fugazi, Break.
2: Hmm.
1: I'm trying to think of songs off of Red Medicine because that album, like, absolutely. Uh, I got it the same day the first Foo Fighters album came out, and it was, uh, I just remember Red Medicine just just feeling like it changed my life, um, but, uh, yeah, let's listen to something off of, uh, it's, uh I, th- I think it's Instrument is the record that Break is off of.
2: I don't know East Texas from Louisiana, and I don't know Alabama where Atlanta lies So why over we take up our every- Yeah, very
0: happy. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm hearing very, um, very uh, positive things about you. I mean, we were talking, just briefly mentioned the internet and everything else like that. But seriously, like,
1: you're in a wonderful space right now. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful space. I'm sort of uh, getting used to um, being married, getting used to uh, this side project thing has been very, very strange little thing to be doing and I feel like uh, I've taken care I got all my eggs in the basket you know I, my band is working I'm working with them still I'm taking care of this like I'm busy as shit but it's the way I wanted it to be you know what I mean like, I kind of any time where it I get overwhelmed by it I just take a step back and I, I realize how how amazing it is how lucky I am and <clears throat> that I really doesn't I really like Really has very like very little to do with me, you know. It, it really has to do with you know uh, being able to like make positive choices rather than you know like just dwell on shit that I can't change. Such a struggle. It's do you want that reheated, struggle. by the way? Before? No, that's actually You're really sure? good. Yeah, I don't okay. I don't mind it like okay, this at so all. Okay, you kind like cold pizza and stuff. Okay, yeah, got it. I do tea. <laughs> tea is good served hot or cold. Okay, good. All right, awesome. Well, you know, I- sometimes I do feel like I'm going mental. You know, or I do feel, you know, horrible, but everybody does. Yeah, you know and what I think I mean? being like, a creative person, that is normal. It, yeah, and you um, you need it. It's important. Interesting, you need it. You need it. Uh, I, I, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, whose name I won't mention, um, going through hard stuff in his life. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was, he and I were talking about it, and he just said, you know, like, I just feel horrible, and I just feel like, you know, I, I'm not Good and I feel like, you know, n- nobody's ever going to love me. And I'm like, dude, you have to feel like that right now. I didn't say, it's not true. Don't, you're butsful. Right. I was like, dude, you have to go through this in order to realize that that's not the truth. And he's like, well, what's the truth? And I was like, that's up to you to decide. That's life. Yeah, you want to put it, the truth, you want to make some, you want to have somebody else decide your truth? You're, you're going to have to live with that, you know? Why don't you decide what you want, you know? If you can't have something, get over it. (laughs) I don't know,
0: is there, um, I don't want to say this the wrong way, Um, but it's been something that's been on my mind lately because within a matter of two weeks, um, two musicians who, uh, that I know, um, one publicly, the other one is not public, were either attempted or were thinking about killing themselves, and for a couple of different reasons for both of them. Um, uh, is it? Do you think? Just, I mean, I know that you guys in, in Circa and Stefan has said in the story where you guys you guys talk a lot about philosophy and theories and everything about life and the government and conspiracies and all this stuff. And has it ever been that kind of? Did you ever, have you kind of come to any sort of conclusion with your life yet where you're kind of like, this is what causes somebody to kind of hit that point? And is there anything that you would say to somebody, maybe even a creative person like that, a musician that has hit that point? Would you say the same thing like you said to your friend? Like you have to go through this?
1: Um, yeah, that's a little tricky for me. I've had, uh, I have someone very close to me take their life. Mm. Um recently Hmm. and uh sorry it's okay but um it's uh it's baffling um bukowski actually wrote this really short poem that i was like about somebody who had committed suicide and how everybody around them was like, how dare they take themselves away? How, how, could they, how dare they not want to spend time with me? Mm. And I always thought it was funny to look at it like that, but um, then uh, when my uncle killed himself, it was like, uh, it was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever felt in my entire life. And uh, I was very close to him. And uh, as when I was growing up, you know, he, I, he, I couldn't stand him because mm. he would just tease me all the time. And uh, as I grew up, I I got to know him better. And he was, you know, uh, he lived in Philadelphia for a while and then moved to California uh, with his partner and uh, mm. left somebody completely, without any knowledge of him being depressed or anything, left left um and uh you know everybody thinks about it everybody and i'm sure everybody's wanted to do it you know everybody wants to get away from a problem everybody wants to escape some kind of pain right you know and sometimes that means you know getting fucked up sometimes that means like wanting to end it all you know um i really don't know how i feel about it
0: Let's talk about something happy.
1: Okay. (laughs) 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 I mean, not all shit's happy. You know, like, not all shit's good. You know, some of the best art was created out of turmoil. Um, Yeah, that's true. But, you know, uh, everybody wants to get away from a problem. Everybody wants to figure out ways to do that. And sometimes, you know, you try different things. And uh, you see what works best for you, and, you know, I don't know, man. (laughs) I'm sorry. No,
0: it's, you know, I'm kind of wondering about, um, let's talk about uh, your marriage. Okay.
1: It's brand new. I'm just going to say that if if making art doesn't make you want to kill yourself, then you're doing something wrong. That's all I want to (laughs) say. I'm sorry. No, um... This can, is, this is, we can move on. No, it. Hey. <laughs> um,
0: you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the,
1: you know, it's, it's.
0: I think anybody that's got somebody that's kind of on that edge like that, and and has kind of gone to that point and come back, gone to that edge and come back, and they're and they're feeling better about themselves and stuff like that. I mean, it, it causes you once that happens once in your life, mm-hmm. then you're hyper aware of it, and and it's something that you definitely try and you start to try and play. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna take control of life, yeah. and I'm gonna try and control what happens now yeah. with these people. So
1: it's a, it's a tough situation. I think the easiest way people can avoid that is just by actually talking honestly to people about their feelings and being honest. It's and the, the tiptoeing around yeah, that, like hurt, he that never, screws it up. He never, my uncle never said anything about being upset or anything. If maybe he got, maybe if he had opened up a little bit and talked to people honestly about his feelings and wasn't so afraid to, lo- for people to find out who he really was. Right. Then he wouldn't have been so you know desperate to get out of life, you know like um, it's important for people to be able to be honest with themselves and with each other about who they really are, who they really want to be and what their mistakes are and what their shortcomings are, you know So I, I think that it must be an incredible burden on somebody to walk around with all this shit hidden and all this shit concealed and repressed and denied about themselves, you know that's why. I mean I, I I don't I'm struggling with I struggle with it all the time but I definitely think it, it's for myself it's better to be open and honest with people even if that means admitting that I'm an asshole or that I was a dipshit or that I I was wrong mm-hmm. you know
0: I kind of noticed that with you on stage when I watch you on stage the, a lot of musicians you see except the pop ones but a lot of musicians you see the anger come out this is their vent this is the therapy moment this is where they're screaming at whoever mm-hmm. they were just fighting with backstage or on the phone or whatever and with you it seems like you're coming out and you're enjoying it you're yeah. enjoying life and it's in the way that you're you're um, the way that you dance around you have a very particular stage <laughs> movement that is very you and it's, it's and it's but it's a very happy moment yeah. and it's like you don't it's like when somebody comes to see you, perform, it's freeing. Exactly. Yeah. Is that how it is? I mean, is, is it just is it, it? It is. It's almost like
1: you. When you come on the stage, you just open your arms. Yeah. There's this. There's a line in Fight Club where it's like one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite things to remember whenever, you know, I feel I feel bad, and it "Was when you're when you lose everything is when you're afraid to do anything," and I love that. You know, like like let you know everything go. You know, let go of your anger, let go of even the things that are making you feel good. Let go of it all. Find a neutral ground, you know. Um, that's just, for me, that's how it works. You know, I'm sure it's different for absolutely everybody, but it's like, you know, when people go bungee jumping or something. You know, like, I just kind of like, okay, now I'm going to let my body go. And even if I look goofy or even if I look, you know, silly, it's it's it just feels right, you know, so let let it feel right.
0: You know, i meant to ask you this because I've actually been starting to try and find this thing and I don't know if it's actually out audience of 1. Yeah. Which was your first band, mm-hmm. am I correct? Yeah. It was a very first, I mean, very first band. Okay.
1: You guys did a CD? Mhm. Two We did a two CD full length and then we did like an EP that never got released, but okay it should get released someday.
0: So, can somebody find
1: the CD? Yeah, they're all online somewhere. Like okay. you can go to like a LimeWire, or BitTorrent, or something. All right. Well, like I was that. trying to find something you could actually pay for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know, I fi- kids come up to me with the CDs, and I think that SmartPunk has them, or, 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 or you know, InterPunk, or either yeah. of those websites. But I, um, I, I don't know who's making them or who's pressing them.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't have any. <laughs> There's a phone
1: call to the lawyer, right there. I actually, um, uh, JD Foster, one of my best friends growing up and the drummer for that band has text messaged me a few times and i lost his number and uh you know i'm sure i don't know if he'll listen to this you know he's like when i even growing up he's like he was like a he was a vegan um Mm. he was like he, he he introduced me to so much good music and he sort of introduced me to the whole like hey man think po- like posi, life's- like okay. we would go see, you know, good clean fun. And uh. we just, he was the type of dude that just didn't care about, you know, he cared about people and he cared about people's feelings and stuff. But he was, he was a very in the moment dude. And uh, I learned so much from him. And I, I, I for the la- since I was in Philly last night in the last couple of days, I'm like, man, I need to find a way to get in touch with him to let him know how much I care about him, how much he still is affecting me. But right. that band, um, that band was so much fun. And it was, uh, it, 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 I love listening to both those CDs because you can just hear how it it, it wasn't. There was no overthought. There was no over. There wasn't production. There was just like record it. You know, like hit record. You know, okay, now play this guitar part. You know, like okay, now sing or maybe scream. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like. You know, this was, like, years before, like, Static Lullaby and, like, uh, <laughs> like 18 Visions, and everybody was, like, you know, when that whole Southern California Screamo thing happened, like, when I joined in that whole Southern California Screamo thing, I was, like, are fucking people still listening to this music? Like, I thought Closure and bands like this had done this, you know, eight years ago, and we were, like, you know it was evolving into something different, but really it just became extremely commercialized. Is there
0: a signature on the audience of one stuff? Is there a signature Anthony Green vocals on there? Because, like, the Zola yeah. stuff, you yeah.
1: hear it. You're really starting to hear that it. That is even. signature. Zol- Zolof and, and audience one is, like, w- was where I was at, like, my best, I think, you know, of just writing and, like, not thinking about, like, you know, just, ru- I would write about personal stuff, but I, wa- I wasn't sit- sitting down thinking, like, right, I want to write about this personal stuff, you know. It was just, like, that's what I wrote about, you know. It was, like... That was that was a time in my life where I remember playing stuff for my close friends and then liking it legitimately, and feeling like amazing by that. Be like, wow, I really like doing this, and you really like listening to it, and that's fucking weird, <laughs> you know? Like, I, there's no words for it. There's no way to describe it. Like, it's like fucking amazing. How 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 integral were you? Because I I don't understand this, and
0: and I know there's gonna be somebody out there that's like either a huge Anthony Green fan or a Zola fan, and they're gonna they're gonna laugh and they're gonna send me an email and make fun <laughs> of me, but um. Uh, but what was your, well, how deeply tied into Zolof were you? Because. I mean, I wasn't that tied in. in the, the impression I got was that you just did two songs.
1: Yeah, like uh On the I, first record. Yeah. Okay. On the first record, uh, well, I did I did more than two songs uh, on the first record. You sang. I sang a bunch on the first record.
0: Okay. Um, I was wondering because I was listening to it. I was like if there's if you go online, yeah. There's only two songs
1: noted with you. The Madonna song. Yeah. And the place pretty for baby. Oh, you're are, the Madonna song. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. And then there's there's that one person that everybody has, and then there's uh, Simon. There's like a bunch. Of, I, I think it's like I the was,
0: first track and the yeah. last track on the record. I get, the another. guy,
1: who, the, the dude who's uh, uh, responsible for the majority of that uh, is, is uh, named Vince Ratty. He's a place for zoloff and uh, his friend Bob, who actually named the band zoloff Rock and Roll Destroyer, and uh, of course Rachel and um, I. I was involved heavily in recording that first record. I can't say that I wrote. I wrote my own stuff. Okay. Vince wrote all the music. Pretty. like Wrote all the music. Okay. And he was a musical genius. Like that guy, songwriting wise. You know, recording-wise, that guy has is, is, is set the bar for a lot of people, and he taught me how to he taught me how to write in the studio. He taught me how to be comfortable and sing, and uh, I don't think I've ever given him proper credit for it either. Like he's seriously like opened he opened my eyes to how much fun you can have in the studio and how much you know. And he he sort of taught me how to know where when I did something that was good. And to like it, you know, where I think a lot of people are like in the studio now, and or a lot of times bands or musicians will do something they won't even have the f- they won't even know whether or not it's good what they did. They have somebody else to be like, okay, that's good, and I'll do the next part, you know. Um, taught you confidence. Yeah, he definitely taught me confidence, and you know I could si- be singing about like a lobster attacking my mom, and he'd be thinking, and he would think that's the best thing ever. Like he'd just be like, that is so cool, like how you wrote that, and um, it, he. Um, I think that uh, I think that the that was definitely like the, oh, a huge part of my life growing up because it, it was like it was I was in three bands when I was in high school I was in Audience of One and then you know our drummer went to college and then I was able I played like one show with Zolov maybe maybe one show where was and, that uh, it was at, it was in uh, Philly it was in it was outside of Philly it was in Fairless Hills um, I can't remember what the place is called but. Um, I, we were into shows there all the time. Um, you know, the commercials would play there. This Day Forward played there a bunch. Um, you know, just ban- It was just. I, I think you know Lagwagon might have played a show there or something mm. like that. I, I don't know. I I don't remember any. Big Wig played shows there. Like, oh, Big Wig. It was uh, Joshua wow. Fit for Battle and Neil Perry used to play there all the time. Like it was, it was like a place people went to go all the time. And okay, I think it was Audience in One played there a bunch too. But I just remember feeling like the man, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm uh, playing with them, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, you know, they they were amazing. And if they if I hadn't, you know, if we hadn't stopped playing together, like I would have never wrote, you know, Baby Girl or The Last Day at Work at the Microscope Store, or any of this, any of those songs. You know, the I wrote the High and Driving EP pretty much right after I got I got asked to leave Zolof, and. Um, you know, they. I got asked to leave Zoloft because I wasn't a very productive member at all. I was like getting fucked up all the time, and so this was before rehab. Yeah, this is before. We See, even. I
0: kept thinking Zoloft was after rehab. Yeah, no, okay, this, all was,
1: right. this was. I was in. I. I. When I got the call that I didn't. I. I wasn't in the band anymore. I was uh, in college. Okay. And uh, that's right. You did uh, community college, right? Yeah, no, I went. I went uh, no. to. Uh, I did do community college, but it was after I went away to college. I went away to college for like a month. Okay. Mu- mu- maybe a month and a half. Was that Temple? It was uh, oh. uh, Cabrini. Cabrini College. It was, I think it was the first year they were what accepting Eastern men. Eastern Seaboard name for, yeah, a, for something Italian. Right. Cabrini. <laughs> exactly. I think it was the first year they were allowing men in in the school. I think it was a co-ed school up until this. It was mostly like a girls' sport, sports school. Oh, uh, so you got and, the fun year. You know, yeah. I, I hate. To, I would hate for it to sound like, oh, yeah, I got asked to leave the band. Like, I was a mess, you know, and I wouldn't have been. And, and you know, if, when I look back on it, like, um, I never... I, don't feel anything bad about it at all. Like I, I think it would have, I would have probably liked to hear like, hey, we w- we want you to get help rather than hey, we don't want you to be in the band anymore, you know. But that was the only thing that ever upset me about it was just like it wasn't like hey, you know, it was like hey, we want Rachel to sing full time and uh, you know, we you know that's it. <laughs> it wasn't like you need help, you know, you need to go figure your shit out. It was like you just getting fucked up all the time and you know. I think it'll be better with just one singer and I was like all right but then I went back and recorded the high-end driving stuff with him you know like when I got clean so Mm -hmm. it was like I was I got I went to rehab a couple months later and then you know start like finished writing these songs that I had you know started writing a little bit when I was you know right when I got kicked out I remember playing like baby girl like for people in my dorm room like all wasted and being like that was sick dude that's awesome <laughs> i remember feeling like um like i could still do something with music but it wasn't like you know i was holding on with a i was holding on by a string did you ever work any like jobs I don't mean the make mean sound, that, like I sound nine, insulting. I had like nine jobs within like four years. I got. I worked so many fucking stupid jobs. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> what, it was like, is there like a Chili's out there that I works was, like the Anthony Green Chili's? Oh, dude, I, I worked, at, four I worked and, at Starbucks in Newtown, you Pennsylvania. Worked at a, you were a Starbucks employee. Oh, yeah. Were you a barista? Oh, yeah. or were you, right yeah. before I left to move, right when I moved out to join Sayosin, I quit Starbucks. I worked Starbucks? there for two weeks. In Newtown, Pennsylvania on State Street. <laughs> it's Brian, right in my It's one of the house. ones
0: that's still open. Like, that guy because they just closed the whole crap of a load of them. I'm they bet, did,
1: yeah, like six four hundred stores, three hundred stores. Well, I think this place is thriving. I oh man. But what'd oh. you do? Did you make the no? Drinks? I never actually got to the barista stage. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, they, I was a slow learner, and I think okay, they have a big I, chain. They have a high turnover rate in those um, places, so I was just like. They were like, yeah, now we're going to start training you on the bar. And I was like, I'm actually fine just getting the hand of this. And they were like, no, we have to train you at the bar. Like, you have to move. And I was like, no, I think this is fine. I'm, the I'm just getting to learn the register. I would just charge everybody for a small coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I would have, like, one out of every ten people would be like, dude, uh, I ordered a f- flaming trappa oil salt cappuccino. And I'd be like, okay, it's, you know, 150 And they'd be like, no, it's actually four forty five, dollars And I'm like... Just 150, dude. Like, <laughs> I think you typed it in wrong. I'm like, please don't get me in trouble. <laughs> like just give <laughs> me the w- wipe your card. Just either. give me the 150 and get out of here. <laughs> um, but I drank more coffee than ever. I I, do, I, I, worked, at a, I worked at an worked animal hospital. Really? Um, that's that's good. Yeah, it was but I was just like walking dogs and cleaning poop. That was a cool job. That would be it's very um it's very positive. Dude, I worked I worked, uh, I no, worked at no a fast store food in the vegetables. mall. I worked at a store in the mall called uh, Scream. And it was like a. It, like a this clothing is back store. in the day. It was. It was a clothing store. It was like a raver clothing store. Oh, <laughs> and great. I got fired from there. Because um, my friends would come in, like my, my the singer for a life once lost. Bob Meadows, single-handedly got me fired from this store and <laughs> mall because he would come in every day and be like, yo and like, "Oh yeah, like A yeah. friend be like, that ruins everything yeah. in your and, life. Uh, and yeah. I got ri- written up every time he came in. I didn't realize it until they were like, "You got written up like eight times this week." <laughs> and uh, he's the like it, that dude actually uh, hooked me up with JD, or the drummer for Audience One, and like Bob Meadows from A Life Once Lost is was is a huge reason why I'm even sitting here right now, you yeah. um, know but I, yeah i worked for i worked for like a like a wholesale plant sh- shop where I like you know you sold flowers and topsoil and i mean I, I fuck i i worked for condom kingdom f- you know for like a minute
2: i got fired from well, so many hey, jobs hey there's some perks with up. that one
1: yeah a couple you got free lube R- free lube <laughs> you're set you're totally set well, I, don't, I don't need lube i just use spit um <laughs> you know there's some good advice there's, there's some great advice that was the advice
0: moment for the for the it was your martha stewart moment
1: <laughs> when you don't have lube just use spit <laughs>
0: all right so i did this with craig and i'm going to do it with you and and i'm and i'm hoping that it will it will it will benefit you the same way um Journalists always, always ask redundant questions, and the number one is, is what's your favorite song, uh, of your own band and yeah. stuff like that. So, so for officially for the record, you can have your you can have Glenn, your publicist, say just listen to the AP podcast. Uh, Anthony already answers that question. This is the fact sheet. So, so exactly, so you don't ever have to ask that question ever again to Anthony Green. So two songs. Name your favorite. If it can be
1: done, mm-hmm. Circus Survive song. Okay, and your favorite song off of Avalon. I think that my favorite Circus Survive song. Like I have a bunch of favorite songs from the band, so I feel like I'm definitely gonna be. This is hard to do, but the it's a tie between. Um, screw it we'll play three songs play it. it's a tie between uh, Stop the Fucking Car that was off Turna and Semi-Constructive Criticism which was on On Letting Go which is probably my favorite song and the, my I think my favorite song off Avalon is um, I think it's She Loves Me So
2: mm.
1: but I I I don't know yet. <laughs> That's what it is right now in See, my now head. See, now journalistic are going take that. I really is love, a loophole, and,
0: I, and keep I, asking you <laughs> what you said.
1: In, so you said it was your favorite song.
0: Is it still your favorite song?
1: You know, I, I think it, I'm, I definitely reserve the right to change my mind on that, but uh, <laughs> I love all those songs, but she loves me so. Just playing it, hearing it, it always just makes me feel like oh, I'm on fire. I didn't forget my marriage question. We'll ask it after the break. Okay.
2: Okay. let
0: Sort of like a uh, and God, I don't want to get you uh, in trouble with Meredith, your wife. Mm. Um,
1: Meredith. I do that. I do a. I do a good job of okay, getting well, myself in do, I don't want to
0: add to it. I don't want her kicking me in the balls later on. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: but she'll probably get, she'll probably hug your balls later. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> deep, no cameras. No cameras.
0: The uh, point. What was my point? Okay. Um, is there any sort of the domestication of the animal. Yeah. So, like, the next circus stuff, when you sit down to write the lyrics, or maybe you do your next kind of project on your own, and the lyrics are going to be about, you know, she wants me to go get the laundry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see, like, maybe that'll be an Anthony Green solo project <laughs> in the future. But for first circus Survive... Um, from the beginning i've sort of taken this approach to writing where i don't i don't think about it too much but i sort of think of that as poetry but poetry for not just me poetry that's supposed to represent five individuals you know and so in order to do that and kind of get everybody's thing you sort of have to not make a standpoint you know what i mean to make a big statement you have to sort of make a statement that's like able to be looked at upside down, and sideways, and this way, and um, backwards, and, you know, for my solo stuff, and for, you know, my personal songs, you know, I could get stuck in never being able to write, you know, a song about anybody but her again, you know, I could I hope not, you know, and I don't think that that's possible, but, you know, I could see my solo stuff becoming more about her, and about, you know, her making me clean the room, or whatever, <laughs> or her making me, you know, like do laundry. But um, when it comes to writing Circus Survive, and when it comes to Circus Survive, she gives me a tremendous amount of personal space, and something that it's taken a lot of time for us to realize how much we need for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knows that, you know, I need time away from her in order to not, so that I can sort of get uh, into a a mind, a creative mind space that isn't, you know, um, living at home, being with her, doing stuff, walking, you know, you know, hanging out with the cats, you know, or riding our bikes or, you know, she knows that like when we, when we went to go write, you know, on Letting Go, like I left, you know, for a while, you know, and went and wrote and, um, I was in the studio, you know, the whole time with the band, and she didn't even come. You know, she came down, like, on Valentine's Day or something.
2: Wow, well, that's...
1: And, uh... have to. Yeah, you You get in trouble if you don't do stuff. Well, there, no,
0: man. but that's just, you know... I would, love, I would
1: hope that, uh... Yeah, but you know what? You need to give people space. You know. Oh yeah, like, no, sure. And she, I need to give her space. You know. Like yesterday, she, she's doing merch stuff. She walked by me like six or seven times. Like didn't say anything to me. Didn't look at me. Like, it. and it was nice to see that because it was like she had this objective. She didn't give a shit what was going on around her. She was taking care of business. But um, the circus stuff um, is only going to get crazier. I. I i don't think i've ever written a circus song specifically about meredith and i don't know if i ever will i know there's certain lines and certain songs that i know i look at and i'm like that's definitely you know something that uh was was i was thinking about our relationship in but it it could also work for my relationship with steve or brendan or colin you know um i i I definitely think that. uh, the new circus stuff is just going to be out of it's totally out there. I can't wait for it. <laughs> you know, the, in, the, in the cover story,
0: sh- uh, Shant from Cute is What We Aim For. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm trying to remember. I don't I think it was the, no, was this? New yeah, one. it was that the new one? Yeah.
1: Um, I was really surprised to read that. He, he said some very nice things.
0: About oh, yeah, he that. does. It's very, very complimentary. And I wonder if you've started to kind of um, think about this at all or if this started, but you know, you are revered. You know, as I wrote in the Craig story, you you people when they think about you, they think of you as. Uh, I was looking around online, and there was a, there was a there was a comment on a on a Yahoo message board about and about you, and there was a question about you, and then, and somebody said he's a demigod, <laughs> and. It's just like there, there is these people there's – a, there's a, there's a, there is like a cult of Anthony out there, and it's obviously complimentary to you, so it's all positive, which is wonderful. So is there that kind of feeling – I think Shant's quote was, he's Anthony fucking green, you know? <laughs> and so is there kind of feeling like – and I don't mean this in a in – a, in, a, um, uh, um, in the teeny bopper way, but I mean it in the stature way. Is there that concern that within Circa as the band that you're going to become the as much as stature and uh, and visibility, the Pete Wentz of the band? Um, You know what I'm saying? Where you've got that fan base is so loving you and so crazy about you that it kind of takes you into a different perspective than... Because you are very much like as a team. You you yeah. you work with your all of your bandmates like we are a, t- a team. We are brothers. You Absolutely. guys live together still, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so how do you keep that? Like, how do you keep that for yourself? Or have you thought about that at all? I always kind of wondered how does a band deal with that? Um,
1: when, when one member becomes that star, you know. I, I you know I don't I don't know. I, I, everybody in Circa. Um, is on the same page as one another, you know, nobody, no matter what anybody says or does, you know, uh, outside of the band or, uh, with, with what people say about the band, we still operate, you know, the same as we always have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we're like more of, of, um, a democracy now, I think, than we ever were, you know, like it wasn't ever a dictatorship or anything, but it was like, you know, everybody's, everybody knows how much weight they can pull now. Everybody knows how, how amazing they, their part in the band is and how it's only as amazing as how you can you know, contribute and uh, I don't think that anybody in the band and I don't think I def- definitely don't think of myself as revered and uh, I just find it best not to think like that and uh, mm. I think that if, if anything is revered about what we're doing or about anything that I've done yeah. it's that a- aspect of freedom that I've um been lucky enough to stumble upon you know and i found it in confronting my demons and in, you know having to admit that i was you know you know this or that and you know i think anybody can find it anybody can do that um and anybody that looks at what i'm doing or what i've done and thinks that it's any different than something they could do or any kind of different effect that they can have on people is mistaken um, the, it, it has very little to do with me as a person and more to do with, you know, uh, surrender and, uh, really accepting things for what they are and changing the things that you can change, you know, mm-hmm. the things that you can change that you want different fucking change them, you know? And, uh, I would be, I would be a total dipshit, if I was to sit back and think that anything that anybody said about me, whether it was positive or whether it was like, he's this or that, like, I'm not, I'm really not, I'm not any different than any, any, no band guy is any different from any other dipshit, or your brother, or your mother, or your dog, or your whatever, they're all the same, everybody's got the same, you know, everybody's got the same ability to do amazing shit. It's just that they don't believe in themselves. You know what I mean? They don't believe that they can. You know, and uh, you don't need you don't even need anybody else to believe in you. You know, you. Sometimes it helps, but you really just need to know that you can do whatever you want. You can change whatever you want. What do you get out of your fans? Um, When you go out and you do the the
0: meet and greet, when you you know I've seen (coughs) go on YouTube. I don't know how many videos I see on your YouTube where you're obviously it's either probably before the show. Mm -hmm. Or it's, or it's something, and you just got the guitar, you sit on the sidewalk, the tour bus is in the background. I love an audience. And, you just, and you just, you're just like a busker. You're
1: like an old yeah. British busker. You just come right out and start playing, and, and I'm waiting for the hat to be thrown down. I, feel, so. I like the feeling of playing in front of people. You know what I mean? I like when I'm playing and looking at them, and they're looking at me, and it feels good. I just like that feeling. You know, like it's uh, like... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be doing this, you know, if I didn't love the way it feels. I feel like a totally different person when I'm playing music. I've said that before, you know, but I'm it's it's I don't mean to sound redundant. It's just I feel electrified. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, that basketball player feels when he's like fucking slam dunking or you know that doctor or that, you know, or that, you know, a- accountant feels like when he goes home and spends times spends time with his family, you know, and that's what he really wants. Like that's maybe you know just what i wanted like uh it, it's re- it's really weird <laughs> it's really weird uh, um i uh, i it's really strange <laughs> you, i mean you obviously i mean do you, do you think that they i don't
0: there-
1: i don't know man like I, I get i get paranoid from them <laughs> really <You laughs> i get do? A, oh yeah like uh i sometimes you know um you know i sometimes feel like because i'm out there and i'm doing that and i'm enjoying it that they think that they have some sort of like, you know, I ha- that that I'm obligated to do whatever the fuck they want me to do. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, sometimes I won't come out and play guitar, and I'll get yeah, all these kids that came to see the show that love the show. When I'm walking to the the, the 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 van or whatever, will be like, "Fuck you," you know, like play play us a song, play Drug Dealer, play Meet Me and Mom Montauk, and it's like, I just played you fourteen songs, <laughs> and now I want to go lay down. You know, like. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that's what I take from the people who listen to our band. I, n- I would say ninety-nine point nine percent majority of the people that I come in contact with at shows or right. anywhere else are grateful, and all they want to do is say, "Hey, we love your music. You're doing a great majority job." Majority do, and and I'm and, I, and yeah. that's that's great. I 90 percent he- do. I yeah. love hearing that, you know. But mm-hmm. that's that's not the point. You know what I mean? This was never the the it was from this was then the point of this for me was never to like you know get f- like a ton of fans or to get any recognition you know what i mean it was from i really wanted to be able to make music that made me happy you know and uh i think that like people are attracted to that you know and that's what i found in art that if you're doing something that makes you happy and you love it it it's like the law of attraction um so, not to sound, like, weird or anything, but I, 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 I get very uncomfortable a lot of the times with, like, sharing personal stuff with people and um, drawing that line of distinction between, like, what I want to give away and what I need to hold on to. Right, you know?
0: right, and, right. Uh, it's tough. So, last question. Um, let's jump in the future three years from now. Okay. So, um, let's see how, let's let's see what you've gotten. I mean, I'm, and I guess, you know, um, being that you are very DIY, there's a very DIY sensibility to you. Even though, I mean, you're on Photo Finish, which is still kind of like I an mean, Right, off of Atlantic. But it's still, you, you still are very much in control of the way you're presented to the public and what you do. And, you know, if you were a sellout, you wouldn't be doing 400 capacity rooms. I mean, you just right. wouldn't, you'd be. You, you
1: could have done a, a commercial jingle by now. <laughs> um, I'd love to get into the jingle business. By you know, the way, this, it's good money. Nick Beard and I we're gonna start a green Green Beard Jingle Company, but this was a, this was a little while ago. So we can maybe hear you. Maybe doing... maybe in the future. You know, you never hear Kleenex commercials. <laughs> we had we the first jingle we wrote. I think was... I want to hear that. The first jingle we wrote was for was a candy. It was for candy apples. We were gonna try to we were going to try to find a candy apple company and we were going to we were going to try to pitch this to them but it was like you take a stick stick it in an apple dip it in some candy you got a candy apple <laughs> that was the first jingle and then every jingle we wrote had that same melody to it if it was like you got a headache you need to take something maybe take an aspirin get rid of your headache <laughs> that was every jingle just took that exact same structure you know, I, I want to be in on that board meeting. Yeah, as soon as we get everything up and running, you can be, be <laughs> yeah, uh, know—you can be on the board. It, it, you, you know, know board. I, I um, green as, beard's jingle. As long
0: as I have a disclaimer <laughs> against lawsuits, I'm fine. Um, uh, so, okay, all right. Well, all right, So the jingle career will be going by then. Um, <laughs> it'll be a little redundant after about the fourth commercial, but it'll work out all right. It uh, reminds me of something off a of Little Britain. But um, uh, the. Uh, uh, what was i gonna say oh <laughs> music industry is changing everybody's freaking out or it's you know it's beside adventure everything's upside down <laughs> no one knows what the hell's going on so yourself as a uh, career musician career singer at this point where do you um, what do you think what do you what are you hoping what are you hoping to be at that point three years from now
1: happy That was too simple. <laughs> just ruined so- my whole setup. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how I roll. <laughs> that's how I roll. Three years from now, I'd really just like to be happy. <laughs> I don't care whether I'm still a career mu- musician or whether I'm a fucking trash man. I just want to be able to fucking be happy. Whatever that takes. doesn't take a lot. I don't need a lot. I don't need people telling me I'm good. I don't need people telling me that my songs are good or bad. You know, I just... I need very few things, you know, and as long as I got them, I'll be okay. You know, um,
0: it's Everyth- a, everything
1: else is a bonus.
0: <laughs> True. You know, um, you know, it's, uh, the world's a tough place, but I, uh, I wish you the, uh, the best and the, the happiest, um, future ahead with Meredith. Thanks, Mike. And, um, that this record goes through the roof for you and the next circle record, uh, blows everybody completely away and... <laughs> And you will never have to worry about an internet rumor ever again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I never worried about an internet rumor ever. <laughs> I never will. <laughs> I was, uh, we, we can we can make that the next interview we
0: do going on about the internet and the rumors. are just uh, that's a whole other subject. But yeah. don't worry.
1: I can we can put it to rest right now. Like I've never wasted any time worrying about what people say about me on the internet. It's all good. Even if it it, even if it's bad, I don't care. W- words it's, to uh, it's crazy. It's all new, so it's like. Whatever. (laughs) Words words to live by, man. People can say whatever they want when they're hiding behind a computer, you know. The truth is always going to be the truth. No matter what people say on the fucking uh, electronic computation machines. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Anthony. Thank you, Mike.
0: AP podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio. A New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is All My Fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash That's S-H-E-A, like the
2: stadium, AP.